Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. Mortgage, mortgage All right. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. We almost talked right over our intro here. Dan and I are already enjoying our conversation. It's interesting. It's interesting some of the conversations you guys have when we're off air going into the Versus studio. Versus when that's, we're on. Well, you know, well that's good too. But you know, just when we're off air, and uh, you know, it's you're setting up in here, and I give you the clear signal because we got to bring up the mics because you're into talking about something going on. That's for sure. Oh yeah, we that's don't totally good. Dan and I don't spend a lot of time during the week getting to chat with one another that's right if we do it's usually tackling some <laughs> quick issue and then trying to get right back to the grind so is. this is kind of our recreation time too you know that's good talk a little laugh a little debate a little that's right this sure. morning we were laughing and debating about elon musk and his shenanigans Mm-hmm. Which are hardly shenanigans, uproar. right, Dan? <laughs> right. <laughs> Legal whiskey drinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, possible inhaling of, of a weed cigarette. Mm. I'm not sure. Okay. Who was that? What president was that that possibly? Um, I think was it, all of them yeah. since, I don't know, maybe the was 80s. It, was, it, was it Obama <laughs> or but? Yeah. Um, well, somebody, he never inhaled. I think Clinton didn't inhale. Nailed, never right? inhaled. Wasn't that Bill yeah, Clinton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But everyone since then, uh-huh. I think, and when, has. And when Bush <laughs> Jr. was doing coke, it wasn't going actually like into his sinuses. <laughs> no, no. He was sneezing afterward. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's one of the things I do kind of like about the... And I haven't seen any follow-up dialogue yet. Has Elon Musk made comment about the... No, the only thing I saw was that there are some uh, some promotions within his organization. Sounds like I don't know. Maybe he's like to some PR. Like, okay, you need to go make sure he doesn't get caught looking yeah. dumb. Someone in was promoted to the president of people and places, which I don't know. It felt to me like he was maybe setting it up to where he didn't have to be the spokesperson. William Jefferson Clinton didn't inhale. Right there. It is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyway. Just like he didn't have relations with that Miss Lewinsky. But anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> just seems like non-news to me. Uh-huh. That's just me. I understand what you're saying. And I'm just asking to be understood. Just, just I understand you. <laughs> it's just, we're in a highly critical period of, of humanity. Which is the point that I want to make is... Don't give them reason. It's easy. Yes, it's your right. Yes, it's legal. Yes, you've easy earned, you've earned enough respect to deserve all these things. However, being discreet can just... It's part of the gameplay, right? Yeah. You play the game. 
you are discreet enough that you don't bring on these type of things. Although... Easy to say for those of us with relative anonymity in right. life, whereas someone like him, who's such this giant known figure throughout the United States and the world, you know, the guy can't go anywhere without anyone, you know, taking his picture, yeah. you know, blogging about what he's done. Well, if it was bad, a he few stepped days on a ago, crack. He it, might have broke his mother's back. If, if it was bad a few a days ago, post. it's worse now. <laughs> right. Because it now, um, it, it's so sad to Dan, if you type right now, this is a, this is a status, uh, this is like a status check on where we are as a people. Just open up a Google page, type Elon Musk, and I just want you to see what shows up. Yeah, by the time you get to the O in Elon, it's going to... It's going <laughs> to prompt you to say Elon, don't Joe be, Rogan. <laughs> and don't be tempted to, to fall into that. Just just finish the man's name. It's been a pretty impressive life of accomplishment. It's radically uh, changing probably the course of mankind, arguably for the better. Okay, <clears throat> And all you get is just straight out of the gate. Here he's, he's smoking weed. The Air Force is pulling the plug on him. He's... Bizarre behavior is tarnishing Tesla's image, and it's like, man, okay, I understand that we're ranking by news, uh, news hits, but geez, Louise, oh well, yeah, poor Elon Musk. <laughs> I don't know that he cares that much. I got to imagine you do. No one's gonna care by Monday. I am. <laughs> I was going to get a Tesla, Dan. Right. But now you have to question his Well, what if he was high when he built the autopilot? (laughs) Right. I'm sure he built every single one of those cars by hand. That's probably why they keep crashing. The guy's a stoner. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not trying to risk my life in that. (laughs) Who asked him in that that, um, interview, you know, him and Joe Rogan were talking and he was asking him about cars and... And safety, and uh, so often throughout the blog, like or whatever, is it a blog podcast? Podcast. Yeah. Ah, I got to get my terms <laughs> right. They just kept asking them, you know, in about innovation and all the things that are going on, and he talks about how he ultimately designed that autopilot because a guy fell asleep in one of his cars and crashed it and killed a cyclist. Mm -hmm. And that was where he said, man, we've got to get the autopilot thing on. And so they did. Um, And obviously the autopilot is pretty awesome. It's the cutting edge of it. And if you don't think it's impressive about what these cars are scanning and deciding and controlling, it's go look at it. It's wild. Mm -hmm. Really, really good stuff. Um, but he said that guy that fell asleep in one of his cars and ran over and killed the cyclist sued him, sued Tesla because, um, of the, he blamed the new car smell on causing him to fall asleep and destroy Mm. his life. Now there's going to be a disclaimer in every new car. This smell may cause sleep. No, but (laughs) Elon Musk said that they, uh. The judge threw it out. Good. And then he talked at length about how he believed the justice system was pretty good. Obviously with exceptions, but just altogether pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
Interesting. Which I thought that was interesting. He sort of like paints the picture too about like you got this guy who is a he's an engineer. You can tell through and through. And he's just interested in his has ideas that he's kind of cursed with about how to just make things better. And then all along the way there's just people gunning for him. Cause he's working hard, making changes, doing some stuff, and this is a great example of it. It's almost as it's almost as bad as getting sued. <laughs> does and does anybody really take Joe Rogan's podcast that serious? I, I or would Joe think Rogan? the whole premise of it is to not be serious. It's Joe Rogan. I mean, there's some serious aspects of it, but he has on some serious guests, yeah. and they have some good conversations. But those are the things I like the most out of that kind of stuff. Is that you uh, you get a chance to know somebody? Oh, at work. Man, driven, motivated, smart, does it all. Off the field, what makes you tick? What kind of right. guy are you? Right. Are you normal like me? Um, and so that's the thing about Joe Rogan, the value there that I kind of like. But yeah, he was like the fear factor host and the UFC, UFC guy. announcer. Yeah. And now he's a big, like he's like a bow hunter and he does like those, whatever they are, like the sub- sub freezing your body and to spend 15 minutes in i forget what it's called hmm. anyway does lots of interesting things but it's yeah it's a podcast and the guy's there for shock value <laughs> right. you know he's got a potty mouth always into and interested in drugs and drinking and these kinds of things i don't know kind of weird dominated the news yesterday for sure We'll see if it has any lingering effects or not. So this is an exciting time of year. I was thinking about driving in, how much I love this late summer, beginning of fall. It's that time of year where we got pennant races in baseball, we got beginning of football season, we got youth sports kicking into gear. It is exciting. It's a good time of year. Kids are back in school. Costco has Halloween costumes out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. You probably already have a bag of Halloween candy at your house. I don't. I don't, yeah. <laughs> but we've sure been talking about it. Yeah, getting <laughs> ready, ta- getting ready. We're talking about it. Have you guys revealed your uh, family costume this year? Um, Like to the world? Yeah. No, we haven't. Are you going to? I don't think so. Not I don't know today. that we've ever done a grand unveiling. Or I anything. know. It's always like day of. It's like, oh, look, they're... Yeah. Whatever you are, Super Mario Brothers. I think we are going to be able to get like a full family um, family costume thing going this year. It might be the last time we're able to do that. My daughter's trying to get a few of us to do some uh, complimentary costumes for the first time. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Oh, uh, okay. I'll just be surprised just on the day. See if I participate <laughs> for her benefit. <laughs> All right, so this is your time of year, huh? I like it, yeah. Fall. Yeah. It's, it's exciting. a good time of year. This is about the time of the year that for me feels like, you know, if you're on a seven-day vacation, this feels like day four. That's kind of the time of the year that, that us locals can start enjoying the area again, too. Yeah. So a lot of the, not, nothing against the tourists. It brings a lot of good money into the area. But, you know, um, yeah. I avoid Pismo Beach like the plague until about, september or october same i yeah. try to stay off the embarcadero and morro bay during yeah. the summer 
So it's kind of nice when we can kind of it's start crazy. enjoying our own area again, too. Huh. I think so. Well, so that's good. Yeah. Like now would be the time I'd go to Hearst Castle mm. or something. Go see things that are in our area that, you know, Won't we always say we're going to enjoy it and we never do, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Elephant seals are making yeah. their way back to the beach right about now. Yeah. See. Yeah. There you go, right? It's beautiful. Under- and it's beautiful. This is, I don't know about North County, but I know on the North Coast, this time as we get into October and November um, is, I think, the best weather um, on the coast. You get rid of the fog, get more of those crisp, clear days. They start out a little brisk in the morning, but... We have a little bit of a heat wave days. again. Yeah, this weekend's supposed to be supposed to be great. Let's see here. <clears throat> I'm going to pull up the old trusty old weather app. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at it's getting toasty. In the I North saw, County, we're supposed to get, yeah, no, 97 today. Woo! That's hot. I saw by the time we step out of these studio doors here, it's going to be 80 degrees outside already. It's going to be great. Which, by the way, did you notice it's going to be hot today and the air conditioning is working? Whoa, weird. I know. Every time it's hot. Must be some man. Yeah. So, so, so something is, now that I'm going to jinx, jinx or it. Or when it's cold, yeah. the air conditioner is pumping in here. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have it actually, actually coordinated with the weather. Yeah, it's actually pleasant in our studio today. Very nice. Well, that was a heck of an intro. We're getting good at this. Yeah. It's only taken 10 years. I think you're right. You're not ready? Jim's usually like, are you guys ever ready to take a break? Always ready with the break. It is 920. This is the optimal time to take a break right here. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, and we're going to dive headfirst into Mortgage Matters. So stick with us. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is, we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018 DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800 549 5832. Now, back to the show. Uh, Breaker 1 9, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, big fan? Come on. Uh, yeah, 10-4, Big Ben, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown, come on. Yeah, it's a big 10-4 there, Big Ben. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we got us a convoy. <laughs> I don't know what this has to do with this show, but... It was a dark of the moon on the 6th of June the and the Kenworth and I liked pulling logs. Cab over Pete with a reefer on and a Jimmy hauling hogs. Oh, we is heading for fair on I-10. It's everywhere. This is Big Ben. This here's a rubber duck. And I'm about to put that hammer down. Is this the theme song? For Convoy. It's a movie. Chris Christopherson. Gotcha. And C.W. McCall was a made-up name, of course. C.W. stands for Country Western McCall. Gotcha. All right. It's an eclectic show today. There it is. We're just doing a little bit of everything. That's right. I thought you were going to do a Smokey and the Bandit. Well, we can, yeah, we can, we got Smokey and the Bandit. We'll do that, too. He's bounded down, Jerry Reed. There you go. Yeah, and he was in the movie, too. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, I'm just just uh, looking at all the things that we have to talk about today. Feels exciting. Yeah, yeah. it was a action-packed week. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Jobs report even this week. I tried to. Uh, Go only off of the the bls.gov website. Do you ever look at that? I look at it sometimes. It's not as colorful, right? Like the places where they pay a, a writer to interpret and then put the like color commentary on all the mm-hmm. just numbers. Yeah. Those are nice, but you're also looking at the way people want you to see it. So I thought, well, heck, I'll just look just at BLS. Where it's like some boring government worker that's just like just reporting jobs among teenagers. Unemployment rate remains steady at twelve point eight. Little changed. Okay. 
(laughs) (laughs) You're not influencing me. Sounds like no big deal. But so the jobs report, we got a jobs report out on Friday. I take it you're ready to talk about that, right? I'm ready. I was just going to look. I I didn't check out the end of the day. Um, Well, the Dow's hung out, finished the week at... 25.9, 25.9, so still still right there at nice highs. Over the course of the week, the the 10-year bond yields went up pretty, I don't know, I almost want to say dramatically, 2.94 now. We've probably the last six weeks we were averaging closer to 2.83 or so, a yeah. couple times even below. It's not unusual that a bond report would um, or a, a job report like this would drive up a bond yield a little bit. Yeah. It's, I think, all in all, a generally positive report. Mm-hmm. There's one little, one little negative bit, which is just downward revision to job growth from the last couple months. But all in all, we for August we reported 201,000 jobs added, which was very much in line with the um, average for the year. That the average monthly job gains for the year so far is 197,000 jobs per month. So this is essentially right on target um, for that. So we're seeing consistent job job growth still, which I is still a little surprising that there's that many people being hired when an employment, unemployment rate is below 4%. Right. Um, yeah, the labor force participation rate and the employment population ratio. You almost got to be reading that to see employment hyphen population. So just that ratio of how many people are are working out of the total workforce, um, both declined by 0.2%. So um, does the American, I don't, I don't know if you can answer this, probably Jim can. Does the American population increase by 200,000 a month? Mm, I don't <laughs> know if it would be 200,000. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, well, they say yeah, there's... Are you counting like births and people coming yeah. into the country through immigration? Maybe, uh, it, maybe it does. So, yeah. That's why I'm just curious. Are we just keeping right up or what? U.S. population rate. Well, why are they? It's not four million. Slightly fewer than four million babies are born in the United States each year. That's year a year. So that's like three hundred thousand, three hundred fifty thousand per month. Yeah, but how many people die a year in America? True. I would guess it's probably three million. Yeah, probably one one percent of your population or something. So like yeah, the growth rate by month, but this is it's in a percentage that uh, doesn't even help me. Yeah, so you have to know what the base is. Uh, Let's see. While you guys, uh, there are two point six million registered deaths a year. Okay, so. It's a little more than 200,000. So, so we've got about 150,000 or so of yeah, growth per right. month. It's probably pretty close. Like uh, realizing that the jobs report is not just 
measuring 18 year olds that grab a job, but, um, it's seems to be somewhat correlating at least right now. Yeah. Obviously there's times, remember when we were shedding 700,000 jobs a week? I do. So this is, this has just been long, good, steady growth. Yeah. Right. Check out this. This is our job growth. This was the recession here. This mm. negative eight hundred thousand, and then all these blue positive lines over here. It really looks like that image. The recession looks like that image of what's under an iceberg. Yeah, right. <laughs> it does. Like you just it, at the surface, it means nothing, and then below, it's just expansive and amazing. Um, yeah, no doubt. The recession was wild, and. Uh, it, it's interesting, I think, to look at the numbers of the recession. Helps ground context a little bit for me. Um, you read about recessions. You know what they are by definition. You understand what that's like. And then having really experienced the first economic correction, correction of our professional lives and being part of an industry, and I realize it transcended industries, but being part of an industry at the forefront of just the, the carnage and destruction in terms of people losing jobs and live, livelihoods, houses, you know, it's, it's such a shakeup. Um, so it's interesting just to look at the graph and the numbers and then also to remember, and I remember what that felt like too, like the the fear and Will it ever get better? Did we really do it forever this time? It felt that way a little bit, right? Maybe, yeah. The economy was pretty jacked up for a while. It was. And there was some massive deleveraging that had to go on, crazy government intervention. We, you know, it's a, like we've talked about this stuff for so long, but if you had wrote a book about that a few years before it came out, just describing the level of like TARP and – Basil and um, Dodd Frank and all these things. If you had like just said, "Hey guys, imagine this," people would have been like, "Dude, that you're crazy. That can't happen." Yeah, it was a wild time. I mean, it's so fresh in my mind. We were all of five years into our post college career, right. you know, prime earnings season of our lives, and and then that economic meltdown occurs and i just remember feeling so scared there for a while of what is going to happen um yeah i remember for me i mean i'd made a couple job changes constantly looking to better my situation as i was felt like i was kind of swinging the vines a little bit mm -hmm. getting my mm -hmm. way through the canopy for something a little <laughs> better next time just you know ultimately trying to take care of my family i wanted to buy a house and slow and i'd I remember when I lost my job in 2000, was it 2007? Yeah. I remember um, thinking I never once ever, ever even contemplated for a second going backwards. Right. Never crossed my mind. The economy was booming. We were... You could, yeah, there was opportunities at every turn. Go grab one, seize one, get you some. That's, I thought that was like what we were doing. And I mean, and I was working hard for sure. I'd learned a lot and built my resume and I'd, I'd had some confidence in what I had going on. Um, and then to see that, that 
fully undermined just by an economic change like that was that was wild, man. Yeah. I hope that we never have to experience that again. <laughs> I agree. That was a, a scary time, but as I sit here and look at the the last not quite 10 years, we've we've made quite a recovery. It's been a slow, long, you know, I th- I think everyone wished the recovery had had happened faster and um you know, been more of that V shape that we we've talked about. Right. But it's, that's just not the reality. It's just been a slow and steady recovery and continues, um, continues to be that way. Um, we're starting to see little hints at maybe nearing the end of this recovery cycle with wages starting to pick up a little bit more. Um, this most recent jobs report showed wage growth at a year-over-year increase of 2.9%, just mm-hmm. the best it's been in, since since we were on the downswing in 2009. This is also the quarter where um, the bumps in healthcare, I think, are a little bit less. I've been <laughs> hearing other people say that. Well, so, we know- actually met with our health insurance broker, and he... Gave us news that I never thought I'd hear again. I think since the first time of the adoption of the ACA, our premium... It's supposed to be going down a couple of percent? Right. Like an ever so slight decline where, at this next Where it period. has been, and I, I know I'm a known exaggerator, I'm going to say this anyway, but it has been increasing at a rate of, what, 15% a year? Yeah, I don't know about every year, but I know the last couple of years, it has definitely been a 20% per year for at least the last two years. So I feel in my in my heart, um, you know, and in our relationship, you're the dude that writes that check and sees that <laughs> stuff. I don't, I don't even know that I have the fortitude. I'm like the guy that doesn't want to pull up my credit card bill. <laughs> Mid month because I don't want to know, you know. I know, I know, I'm gonna get it and I'm gonna pay it, and it's, you know what I mean. I just am like, I don't, don't bother me with that. Today, my game plan is to go out and do something good. I just spend all of my energy not stressing about the bills, but more just looking for opportunities to succeed. That's right. just how I need to start my day. Sure. So I've just conditioned myself that. When when it comes to the health and ca- health care for the company, that it's going up every year. So again, I'm, I we could sit around and open up a six pack and whine all about it, or <laughs> we can go out and work hard, make sure we can afford the bill. I think that's the right so, attitude. So I hear that it went down a little bit over that Taco Tuesday lunch meeting, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> the the we're not gonna experience a multi-thousand dollar as scheduled increase on this bill. It's pretty exciting. And so you know what my next thought is? A, that's a raise, guys. That's a <laughs> definition of a raise when you're self-employed. And then B, it creates opportunity for you to be able to afford like things for your staff. Pay raises, these kinds of things where, you know, okay, that's movement in the right direction couple more of those and you might, you know, or if you believe that was the new way it goes, then you you might even just be able to go through and give some raises that you've been wanting to give. So I wonder if some of that is here. Um, as you know, I recently traveled 
mm-hmm. and I was talking to um, a gal who said at her company, which employs thousands of people, they don't let you work full time because of health insurance. Hmm. And so I said, oh, because because of Affordable Care Act, right? And she said, no, it's actually the opposite. Because all the part-time workers are on Obamacare, so they have that good subsidy. It's just not at the cost of the employer. I'm like, yeah, we're kind of saying the same thing, right? Is that because it's mandatory if you work 40 hours for your company to provide it for you, they cut it down, you make less, and now you get to get on the subsidy side of things. You know, anyhow. This Imagine that. Can you imagine that? That you have a company of however many thousands of employees and you don't offer full-time employment. I mean, just to, it's better for you to deal with twice as many people or three times as to many people to avoid cost. the cost. And what's the cost of training and managing and mid-level management and just all, just all the stuff to have the extra people? Must be less than the... That healthcare oh, bill every month. Gosh, I'm like, I don't even want to see what the real math is in that. It sounds terrible. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I saw, you know, a couple of things about this um, that underemployed the involuntary part time workers. 4.4 million for the month, but um, that was nice to see in that stat that. So over the month, the group remained. However, it's down 830,000 people over the year. So that's a pretty good decline in terms of people. Um, you know, and that's the people that they would prefer full-time work if they could, but they're not. And and so, man, that's interesting, right? From what I was just saying, if there are companies that are forcing people at part-time because of the health care mandate that would prefer to work full-time. So those would all be underemployed people. Yeah. But so anyways, th- that number has dropped by almost a million over the course of the year. So that's good. So those uh, less people that are unable to find that full-time work. So I don't know. In my mind, I, I size these things up as I've accepted that um, – Job growth of under a hundred thousand means you're in trouble. Hundred and fifty thousand means that you're getting a C, and two hundred thousand I got to call a B plus. And if you just are moving at that rate, you're doing pretty good. And of course, you want with those. It's not just about the jobs we add, but you want to know that they're good jobs. Um, you want to know that their wages are growing. Um. Yeah, at some point in this cycle, you would expect the job growth per month to actually decline and the wage growth to start to pick up. Employment and construction continued its upward trend. Manufacturing jobs were flat. Um, Yeah, flat in retail, financial activities, leisure and hospitality, and government. Government was down a little Professional and business services and education and health services led the way with job growth. Those sound like um, those sound like head of household jobs. Yeah. And the average, this one always trips me out too. the The national average work week for all employees 
is 34.5 hours. Almost full time. Almost. <laughs> you guys are, you're almost there, guys. <clears throat> but again, I mean, some of that is just the fact that by design, there are companies that want to pay people uh, less hours a week for variety of reasons to not have to have that full-time status. Uh, or they decide, you know, like when I, I mock up a business plan for, a, um, I know I've told you about this before, but I mocked up a business plan for a frozen yogurt shop. Like if you put a frozen yogurt shop in Los Osos, for example, what would it look like? What would you, how many yogurts would you need to sell and what would be your ideal structure? And at the end of that math, I came up with an idea of having employees for five and a half hours. That was how it felt best to me, given the hours. At least you're not going to be open for breakfast, right? So there are some industries where just working five-hour shifts is what's optimal for sure. the profitability. We've got a caller on the line. We've got Matt calling from San Luis Obispo. Good morning, Matt. Good morning to everybody there. Good morning. Appreciate the nice comments that you're making. Like to, I'd like to make a couple of comments about the comments, if I may. Yeah. Sure. Um, you mentioned that we've had a growth in the last, for the last a steady growth in the economy for the last ten years, and you wish that it would be a little bit faster recovery here. Um, I hate to tell you that the uh, growth has occurred mainly in the last two years, or in fact, less than the last two years since we got the new president. I remember Obama himself saying that. Now we're in a new new economy now, and we we won't be having this type of growth that we've had in the past. You got to get used to a new met- metrics. There won't be any new job growth. Uh, and the other thing he did uh, for for specific industries, he killed the coal. He said, "I intend to kill the coal industry," which he did. Now it's recovering again, and from an environmental standpoint, it's very good because uh, we're using coal to. Uh, to uh, crack that and get hydrogen out, and we're using hydrogen to uh, move parts, and that's clean, clean energy. Uh, he also stopped oil drilling in Dakotas, Montana, Colorado, the, the back in oil fields. We've had huge economic growth in that since we started pumping oil and, and started doing that. And I believe, I think there was a reference. I, I turned the radio on, Justin. I think you, were, you, were, you guys were talking about the, uh, the population growth. Uh, am I correct about that? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. We were, we were scratching at it. Well, I, yeah, and we, if we have to take into account another issue on that, um, because the uh, vibrancy of the future is the, is the growth of children and uh, and the births and whatever else, and I want you to remember that ever since Roe v. Wade became law, we have we have killed fifty million fifty million babies uh, of our future engineers, uh, ranchers, pianists, CPAs, salesmen, contractors. Whatever else, taxpayers, and that I think is a is a uh, shame for a nation. Anyway, those are my comments, and uh, but thank you for keeping uh, keeping going. Thanks right. much. Bye. Appreciate your perspective, Matt. Thank you. Um, I I'm just going to have to double down and respectfully disagree that with respect to job growth, I'm according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, it's been a it's pretty clear that since about 2010, midway through 2010 to today, job growth has been pretty consistent um, year over year. Um, I mean, obviously, every month has its ups and downs, but the the number of jobs added every month has been pretty consistent as you look at the last eight years or so. And as far as 
wage gains are concerned, it's been a pretty steady upward climb since about 2013. So those those things are fairly undeniable based on the, the statistics we have from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And in the next few months, too, we're going to start with the seasonal stuff again, too. Like, you know, it's going to really... Sure. I mean, we have Halloween stores opening up pretty soon. We have like this temporary Christmas oh, stuff, yeah. you know. So you do, they take that into consideration too at the end of the year. Sure. So you're going to have uh, temporary jobs opening up here pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, we've made a lot of, of progress as far as the jobs recovery um, over the last eight, nine years. And um, it's it's good to see that, what appears to be the you know nearing the end of that recovery cycle and seeing uh you know continued growth in wages because that's i think going to be the big difference maker going forward in the economy i think it's interesting too if you think about um if we are looking at this as like a a project so we had some economics at play that created an over-leveraged, overvalued, arguably over-employed, inflated currency, right? We, sure. Right? We, we played with some stuff, and we got this thing burning white hot, okay? And then we burned it white hot for probably four more quarters than we should have. And then, boom, the thing melts down. Oh, the cuts were deep. We know it, okay? Everybody knows it. So now you find, um, and this is the part I think is interesting, like just like thinking about what Matt said and what you said. Um, sounds like you're saying, well, there's growth, like from the rubble, basically. Mm-hmm. And I can't even begin to suggest that we call the line where it was in 2005 or six. Okay. Like, well, that's not, that's not the mark we hope to get back to. Um, it was the run, right? That was the top of the, the bull run. It was pretty amazing. And then, so now you've spent all these years, yes, making forward progress. And is the same, that same level, the goal or is the goal beyond that? Sure. We all want to improve beyond what we've ever achieved before. I think that's part of mankind. Matt called in a, um, comment to saying that he, he meant to, that it was economic and employment growth, not just, you know, one or the other. So basically yeah. economic and employment is what he meant. I, and I, I understand that. And, that. and that's kind of my point, though, is that it once you shed 20 million jobs real quick, you're going to be able to add back some of those jobs over time just based on the fact that you're – a lot of the jobs are based on serving the needs of the people. And once you sort of shake down and figure out how to get back to basics and, okay, we, we took our eye off the ball, we fix it all up again, we move forward. Um, there's no doubt that um, through the, like, I mean, if you go line out GDP, and this is, um, I hope, I'm just, I want to throw us out here. I hope that the Trump GDP years, are well in excess of the Obama GDP years. Sure. We all do, right? Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> right now you have the benefit of seeing perfectly what did happen over those eight years, and you are a short year and a half into 
the current cycle that you know we we all hope continues to kick butt and you know i feel like it's a little bit like um whenever i see too many people out celebrating right now oh look at this guy oh gdp at 4.2 and by, we're going to by the end of this eight years, it's like, whoa, buddy, you're like that guy at the blackjack table that just got a couple blackjacks in a row, and now you just you're Mr. King Tut that thinks this is the way it always goes, and you know, chances are it's slow and steady that's going to win the race. It's um, I love the King Tut. It makes me think of maybe a different <laughs> analogy. How long did it take to build the pyramids? Do I have to come back with the King <clears throat> Tut now? Too? It's got to be a long time, right? Who gets the credit for building the pyramid? The guy who lays the last stone? No, it was a work in progress. It took a lot of people. Let's think about this economic recovery. It actually began I, with George Bush. Right? I, f- I found out this weekend <laughs> that the pyramids were actually built by aliens, Dan. Whatever. <laughs> So this recovery began during the final year of George Bush's presidency, where he implemented. It was often forgotten first... that TARP was a birth child of the Bush administration. Right, it came out of 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 the Bush administration, the first round of TARP, and then the economic policies that have helped drive this recovery for nearly ten years continued through the Obama administration and are continuing today. Yes, there's been some tweaks here and there, but I get so tired of this time that we're in where everyone's picking winners. You know, oh, it's it's this guy or it's that guy. It's this party or it's that party. It's a collaborative effort of bipartisan people. It's not just any one individual. So let's get away from that rhetoric because it's tired. The media would have you believe, too, that the extremes are the norm and that... um, you know, they're that it's all one way or the other. One of one of the things that I have actually always liked about politics, and this is true, especially if you serve on a board um, or just in a company with a business partner, um, the other perspective is oftentimes helpful for you. It could be helpful in solidifying your position on why you are right where you are. Um, it could also be helpful in making you realize, man, I'm I didn't contemplate that yet, and I need to. You're you're right about that. Um, and I think in many ways it's a that pendulum swinging, like you said. So some of those things um, were were the Bush administration, right? And then I don't doubt for a second that um, through then the Obama presidency years. They kind of laid some of their flavor on it, pushed on the parts that they thought were impressive, let off on the parts that they thought weren't what mattered. Um, And it massages it into being something a little different, all the while moving in that trajectory with all the checks and balances that try to keep it loosely in a lane. Mm -hmm. And then you hand off the baton. And there's a new new, uh, administration in power now. Um, I know we're deeply divided. That is the, seems to be the norm over the last few, um, presidencies here as you, it's kind of wild how quickly we are to, to divide and just regurgitate the rhetoric. But the, the reality is, is that you're seeing a new affiliation today 
pushing on the things that they believe are important, letting up on the things that they think are not, and massaging this thing, again, in that general direction of where the American public wants it to go. And it's not... You know that there that is. I do think that there's that compromise there, and yeah, and I, and you know what? I want some credit for the recovery too. <laughs> Damn it! You want to talk about oh, it was Bush, it was Obama, it was Trump. It was, you know what? Let's stop for a second. It was me. <laughs> it was me, and it was you. I did. I went to work. I got pummeled, man. I took some kidney shots for a minute. I didn't go on unemployment. I never took unemployment once. You know what happened when we lost our jobs? We started a company that today- we created jobs. Yeah, we created jobs that today as head of household uh, income producing jobs, I mean, there's like 30 employees at the company now. We've, we've done a lot. Um, it didn't matter who the president was or- what these employment figures, these kind of things, we went out, worked hard, busted our butts. I think that's the story of the American people. And that's the part that I get frustrated with where they sit there saying, oh, you know, was did we got all to thank this guy or all to thank yeah. that guy. No, I think really it's just a, it's a great nation of people that are convinced that success is always around the next corner. It makes me think back a few years to the leadership San Luis Obispo program that I did through the Chamber of Commerce. You did it as well. I did it too. I'm sure you did a similar lesson. I, I remember one day we we did a lesson where, you know, we were divided into groups. These are completely different people from different walks of life, different industries, but we had to come together to solve a problem. And we were limited by time. And the lesson at the end of this exercise was that you can't debate forever the perfect solution because it's <laughs> it's nearly impossible to achieve that's right but what you need to do the the way that the the teams were successful in this exercise was to come up with a best solution in a reasonable reasonable amount of time that compromised the ideas that were put forward and then after implementing that initial idea you refine it and you continue to refine and you never stop refining because right. you're never going to achieve absolute perfection but you can continue to try and that's all you can do and you should yes so that's that's what i see as happening in when i was at cal poly when i was at cal poly i remember one of the days that we were working on dispute resolution and um, one of the professors said look a good compromise is where both parties feel like they got screwed. <laughs> like, I thought, man, that is a terrible way to look at that. Um, but when you want to win too hard, like you want to win so bad that any compromise is a loss for you, um, and think about that from both sides, I can see that, right? That, so then I, I remember laughing it off at the time and then through the years thinking – Especially when it gets down to something that really matters to you, where you're you're going to start with the position. So let's say it's taxes or let's <clears throat> abortion, whatever, where you're going to start by saying, there's no compromise for me. I'm that firm on where I stand. Um, and you know, most people have something, right? One thing or another that they just can't believe that anybody would go the other way. 
So yeah, then any compromise is problematic. Any compromise is like we we started out where I couldn't even appreciate your point of view. I tried and I can't. Kind of interesting. I learned a lot. I learned a lot um, at Cal Poly and leadership and then even in my work life and stuff like that. I, I feel like I have grown and learned a lot about um, the significance, I think, too, of just not getting discouraged about, um, like you said, the rhetoric is tired. I agree. The rhetoric is tired. The believing that everybody's on the extreme thing, I think, is tired, too. <laughs> you know? Because they're not. No. They're, but that's where the media, and I think part of it, too, is like with social media now, people are so exposed. Like, you used to have to open the newspaper to have an informed decision about what you were offended about today or not. Today, it's like a meme somebody that's intending to make you stay in the fight is like look at this meme of this thing and it's right there next to your whatever the shoes you like on this page and now you're <laughs> a political expert and you're you know it's just where we are as a people hopefully we can continue to refine and evolve <laughs> you know how when you buy like a um, iPad, they ask you if you want like the cellular one or not. Mm -hmm. I think pretty soon here they should just be like when you're picking out your iPhone and do you want the political one or not? Yeah. Do you want to the built-in political? Do filter? you want the built-in controversy <laughs> and bias? <laughs> <laughs> and which slant would you want, sir? <clears throat> we'll we'll totally block out all of the other side for you. <laughs> right. It is, you can just pick. Just slide continue, these toggles. Continue the bubble. Yeah, just <laughs> slip these toggles over there. Oh, oh, yes, I I do like that, and I don't like that. Okay, well, you're here. Now plug this into your neck and go to work. <laughs> All right, guys, we got to the top of the hour commercial break. We'll be back in about five minutes for a whole other hour. We have a lot more to talk about in terms of the economy and real estate construction market. So stick around. We'll be back after the short break with more Mortgage Matters. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Dan's for Dan's reference to King Tut <laughs> and how the pyramids took forever to build and all that. Is that Steve Martin? Yes. It's the beginning of soccer season. Hey, <laughs> I can't be there, so I got a little window. I, my daughter had a soccer game this morning. Oh, cool. Started at 8, so I was over there for the first half hour of the game. It's very exciting. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 
Are you just watching that live? Yeah, just getting it here. Trying to keep the volume down so that it doesn't distract. But, mm-hmm. you know, thought that that way I could. Is it looking like herd ball? Yeah, of course. This is U6. U6 soccer, no score kept. Um, it's just just for fun, just for that team building and uh, that kind of fun stuff. Out there running around, getting some exercise. You know, we. I liked one of the comments that you made in the, the first half about how you know, we're part of this economic recovery, starting a business, you and I, tiny little room about this size, creating yeah. jobs, now going at 30 people strong. Um, and I was, it, it tied into something that I wanted to just share with everyone this week. Um, some of the progress we made that I've been reflecting on a little bit. Oh. You know, I I shared with you some a report of activity in the county, mortgage activity in the county and where we stack up. And even at our sales meeting this month, you mentioned to the group that we're, we're now the number one independent mortgage company in the county. We're only behind some of the behemoths like Wells Fargo and Quicken Loans. And, um, and here we are just a couple of, couple of family guys running a business with some great people that help make the the operation run every day. Yeah. Um also great local families and um and we're just every day making progress, kicking butt, doing really well. Um and here we are um you know, our purchase volume, the amount of purchase transactions that we're involved in, even, even as total mortgage volume has declined over the last couple of years, our purchase volume continues to grow at about a 20% year-over-year clip. So that's pretty exciting. We're on pace to do the same this year, another 20% increase. Um, but when I look at a company like Quicken Loans that has all the money in the world to advertise their rocket mortgage, you see it everywhere i've been watching a lot of baseball on the mlb app and they're kind of limited with their sponsors but one of them is quicken so i see that darn commercial all the time yeah and i'm just reminded how they're not good at purchase transactions no and even when you look at the local statistics they're not a player in that side it's it's companies like ours that have local relationships and have sure um, local knowledge and so I'm just reminded to share with the listeners that working with a company that's so vested in the local community, understands this local market, works with the local realtors, works with the local appraisers, um, just gets how business is done around here, that we have a... Don't leave out my favorite part off your list, though. What's that? My favorite part is the real accountability. That I think is a is one of the components that and this is obviously the biggest trouble with online business, okay? Is there's a lack of accountability. You have this issue where if you're working with somebody from far away, where I just can't sit down in front of you, and maybe I don't in an ideal transaction, I don't need to or don't maybe I don't even want to. But how about this, though? If you do me wrong, 
or you're not answering my call, or I don't like the way things have changed, I don't like the way that you're communicating with me, any of those kind of things, I can come over and see you? I feel like that's a big deal. And um, and even not. So let's say, let's say that that's not the biggest issue to you, is that ability to go see somebody face-to-face. But I think part of the human condition is like, uh, in terms of accountability... If I'm going to see you, do we still play that commercial? Like I see you at our kids' Little oh, League yeah. games. Mm-hmm. Um, that that one's real, man. And yeah. you, can't, you can't ask the people of your community, like I go, hey, believe in me, trust me, I am your professional, I am going to care for you the way that you want to be cared for. And then, by the way, I'm going to see you at church on Sunday, or I'm going to see you at yoga on Tuesday, or I'm going to see you at the kids' little league game on Wednesday. And, um, hey, on the Central Coast, isn't it likely that it's two or three of those things? Probably. Or at the grocery store or passing each other in Costco, um, wherever you are. So I can't be out here making promises and not keeping them up. I can't be... um, deceiving anybody i need to be able to be in my local community with my head held high so when i say hey work with me i'm knowledgeable uh, i'm trustworthy i'm i'm a commitment oriented person i'll do a good job for you and um you know that's still i know i say this probably once a month um this is still one of my favorite things about the radio show is it's this is a live show. If if we're liars, if there's people that say, "Oh, well, you know, I worked with you and that wasn't my experience." They could call right now. They could call and say, "That's not what happens. You guys gave me a deal and raised your cost at the last minute. You guys said you could do something and then didn't. You guys, you know, I I can think of those opportunities where um could you imagine if like Quicken was doing that like if quicken took the hour after us and went down the same road it'd be a bloodbath man go on facebook and look at um you ever see one of those ads pop up for quicken and then the comments start and their ads are oftentimes even deceitful like that one um you know quick refinance now before this government program goes away and it's like obama wants you to do this now or whatever and i look i'm like wow that's in direct violation yeah those things are in direct violation of advertising compliance law and i also think about the whole message behind their rocket mortgage which is like speed 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 and i get the importance of a fast transaction (laughs) but it's also counter to some of the um, changes that have occurred in the mortgage industry where people were kind of led down this fast process where they weren't allowed to investigate other options. And so part of Dodd-Frank, or I don't know if it was Dodd-Frank or some of the TRID changes, but it was it was like, hey, wait, consumer. It's under Dodd-Frank. You get a three-day timeout here right at the beginning 
of the process. Where- yeah, and your loan estimate as a comparison table, that's part of it. They yeah. want you to talk to some people, make sure you're getting the right deal. Make yeah, sure you exactly. understand what you're getting. Make sure you're able to shop to see if there's other options that maybe are better for you. Right. Take a time out here. This is a complicated financial transaction with big mm. dollars at stake. Let's make sure you understand this and you've you've done your due diligence. And so that's something I just wanted to remind folks is that you don't need to feel rushed. You don't need to feel pressured by this speed, speed, speed message that comes from the big mortgage outfits like a Quicken Loans. You know, take your time, do your homework. You'll often find that a local company like ours, or there's so many others that are great as well, that they can get just as good, if not a better deal for you while you're supporting a local company that employs local people of local families. Um, I was reminded of this today when we had, uh, we won a deal. We won a, a loan from, it was a VA loan. This is a VA loan that, you know, the other bank was Armed Forces Bank, right? You think, oh man. Who's going to do VA loans better, Central Coast Lending or Armed Forces Bank? So we not only beat this rate quote by a half a percent in rate, we also, they were charged, the other bank, Armed Forces Bank, was charging points, and we, with our half point lower in rate, were giving a credit to the borrower. Yeah. I mean, just a drastically different financial situation at the end of it all. VA loans upset me. Um, <clears throat> it's it's an interesting thing how those companies, and this is the also the same thing, by the way, that happens within the reverse mortgage business, is um, those loans are so profitable. They make so much money that they end up... Um, exploiting though that clientele to make that money um i know i told you this before dan but i have a friend in town that i used to work with at countrywide he's since retired now just in the last six months but um when we left countrywide and you know a couple years later we were catching back up and he stayed in um, a management capacity, but he worked for various different net branches where he was kind of a pseudo owner, where he's the branch manager and brings his team of people from one company to the next and really just makes his money off the margin of those people. And of course, I came from that ops staff, right? I was an underwriter and operations manager and then joined forces with you to start this company. So we're Kind of similarly, we're managing an an outfit. I own one and he doesn't, so that's fine. But he was sharing with me how their margin on government loans was so fat that that book of business made up 20% of their overall business and 80% of their overall profit. And I was like, dude, this is why you guys even exist because in our lives – And I know last month was like the heaviest government loan that we ever – government loan volume we ever had in a month, I think. I'm probably exaggerating. but And it was about 20%. And guess what? It made up the exact same percentage of profit. It made up 20% because we don't exploit that line of business. So when I see you say that Arm Services Bank – 
uh, is exploiting those people. I'm like, that's why they made that bank, man. And that's why they named it that. That's what they were. They were targeting that person to come into their bank and just believe that. It's like you said, um, how could you compete with Armed Services Bank? It's what they do. Well, this is the thing, too, like uh, Wells Fargo or Quicken, okay? There's just so much uh, benefit of the context of their, the household name, man. They're Wells Fargo. Can, can, Dan, <laughs> Dan at local, local lending. Can you ever compete with Wells Fargo? Absolutely. Even though they're recommitting to me right now. <laughs> um, and this is the part that I think very few people realize. And I, I like to talk about this part. Um, you mentioned earlier, you, you brought up Quicken um, and about how they weren't very good at purchase transactions. So I want to ask you, tell, give me a little example of, of what inefficiency might exist in a, like if I'm a buyer, you know, I work for San Luis high school. Um, maybe so does my significant other and we're ready to buy a house and I'm going to, they have the easy button. Dan, do you have an easy button? The quicken does. So, um, <laughs> what are we going to find out about the process at a major conglomerate like that? I mean, it's it travels through so many different hands as part of it. You've uh-huh. got all these different people that are touching the loan throughout its lifetime. Whereas at a company like ours, where we operate a little bit differently, we try to be very efficient because that's our competitive advantage. Is we have we have one person quarterbacking that loan from beginning to end, and. You know, I think about, I'm thinking about some of the steps that we would go to verify employment, verify income. You know, it's very possible we know someone who works within the admin department at, you know, that particular company. And we could, we have a direct connection right in there to get the answers we need uh, in a very efficient, fast way. So there's just, there's so many things that separate us. Part of it's just, the rate, the profit margin, you know, that kind of thing. But it's also just the efficiency. Yeah, I think all of these points are easy for me to talk about. Um, but like you you mentioned the rate. Look, here's one of the things about the uh, – this is the reality of the mortgage business. <clears throat> Quicken spends a lot of money – advertising don't they i mean you know how expensive it is to advertise and they're doing it on national scale it's crazy in about every um, possible media outlet too the biggest sporting events they're (laughs) buying sponsored ads directed at consumers yes they buy the u.s open they buy the super bowl (laughs) they buy i mean you you just you just salivate at their at their advertising budget. In fact, many American companies that are just owned by good old fashioned, just the heartbeat of America workers, the amount of money Quicken spends on advertising alone is greater than their, maybe their entire career. It's (laughs) crazy. So here we go. Um, So now I'm Quicken. I, it's a P and L, right? I spend a ton of money on advertising. So how then do I compete with you? Um, how do I stack up to the competition? How do I keep my profit and loss looking good? Well, here's some ideas. Uh, number one, 
you're going to have to charge a little bit more to pay for that advertising. That's expensive. Someone's paying for it. Who's paying for it? Um, the answer is the consumer is paying for it. And if you don't believe that, I don't know what to tell you. So then secondly, um, the other place, I mean, after advertising, tell me, Dan, you run books for a mortgage company. Tell me the number one expense in any mortgage company. Yeesh. It's labor. It's, oh, the, yeah. it's the cost of goods sold to the Definitely. commission or salaries that you're paying your staff and your salespeople. Yep. It's 80 cents on the dollar. It's a significant portion, definitely. So if I if my game plan is I'm going to advertise, advertise, advertise everywhere I can, as heavy as I can, as big as I can, um, I need the consumer to pay for that. It's lesson number one. Lesson number two, I can't pay my staff very well. So I don't get seasoned people. I don't – maybe some mid-level managers that are really worth it. I'll sprinkle the money around there, but – uh, mid-level management probably just going to be best at training and trying to retain people to stay into roles where if other mortgage companies get your ear, they're going to give you more than 25 bucks an hour, right? That's a that's an $80 an hour job, Mr. Underwriter, and you're over there working for 25 bucks an hour at Quicken. So that's one of the thing I think the dissatisfiers too is that from setup – processing, underwriting, doc drawing, funding, each step along the way, you're going to be dealing with people who um, they're not the cream of the crop in terms of what they demand to be paid for the job that they do. Um, And I would say the flip side is true at our company is, yeah, we do some advertising. Every advertising decision that we make is the two of us putting our heads together based on what we know works really concerned about the profit, concerned about raising costs to consumers, concerned about potentially that that money might be able to be used for a bonus for, you know, incenting some operations staff member to work above and beyond to, you know, to dangle those carrots. And so we make those decisions real carefully. So anyhow, starting to see the picture, right? Here's the difference. Now... Here's the funny thing. Um, Quicken, they know what their cost to originate a loan is. And then they're like, but hey, at the end of the day, um, if a company like yours, Central Coast Lending, local, local bank, can do a mortgage, we'll take it. Because all that advertising, all that payroll, all that rent, all that taxes, all that health care, that's all on you, buddy. So you do all of that, and then you just hand me off a mortgage that I want to buy. I'm quick, and I'll buy that from you. So the point is, is that they do that too. And so let me ask you this now. Why would I sell your loan to Quicken? I would only sell it to them if they were a better price. And then the funny thing is, is that when you compare the Quicken loan I can give you where I'm the one managing the overhead or the Quicken loan they give you where they're the ones managing the overhead, my Quicken loan is just better. It's cheaper. It's, 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 and I got to argue that it's faster and it's less stressful. And so, and it's at a better price to you. 
Um, it's one of the very few industries I can even think of where you insert a middleman and get a better deal. This is not, it's almost defies the common sense of business, but here's the deal. Quicken knows that I have 50 banks. So, and I also have a, pr- a pricing engine that I don't know. I was going to say I pay 1500 bucks a month for How much do we pay for this price? <laughs> it's a little more than that. Is it? Yeah. I thought I was exaggerating. <laughs> no. Two grand a month. Uh, I want to say it's, yeah, 1700 something. Okay. So I'm paying $1,700 a month for a piece of software and Quicken's in it, right? Quicken's in it. Wells Fargo is in it. Yeah. Uh, the two lenders that do more volume in this County than us. And all I pay this software for, um, it just, it's, it's an amalgamation of every bank's rates and they, they upload them themselves, not knowing what their competitors are doing. And they say, hey, here's our best offer to you today. So my relationship with a real estate agent over at um, Century 21, let's say, they call up and they say, hey, Jason, will you help my friend Dan with this loan? I told him that you're really knowledgeable and um, that you are responsive and will help him. So please, will you take good care of him? And I say, absolutely. So I meet with Dan and I do the whole thing and then I put it into my pricing engine and 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 Quicken knows that I have this because they pay to be in it. Yep. So they know where they rank. They don't know all of the lenders that I have in there, but they can only assume that once once I'm a broker, you know, or a lender working this way that I'm interested in comparing offers, right? So anyhow, um Quicken's in there. It's a better deal than you get if you go to Quicken straight up. But, and you get our more efficient process. And when was the last time we did a Quicken loan? It's been a while. It's never happened, actually. They don't even get in the top 20 of pricing. Um, they are constantly hitting us up again. Like They call, they email, oh, I'm your new guy. First of all, that's a common one. Yeah. And then next one is, and we've revamped our process. We, You spoke and we listened. Okay. We've juiced the price. Oh, it's going to be the best out there. Okay. <laughs> um, funny, funny. Last month, um, and maybe this is two months ago now, on Facebook I see the ad. It comes up on my Facebook for Quicken. Did you see that on yours? Mm, I don't know. 40 basis points off for their 40th anniversary. Oh, I didn't. All month long. And so, consequently, their rate was better by 40 basis points, right? All year, all, all month long. So, I ended up seeing them in the pricing engine for the first time in a while floating towards the top, and they still, they still weren't as good as any of the others. Yeah. And by the way, you guys... Um, the way, I, the way I was saying, the way that we manage our expenses and our advertising campaign and budget and these things, the reason, I mean, we're sitting here doing this radio show today because this is a great bang for the buck, right? You establish credibility, hope you feel like you get to know me, hope over time you glean some information and you are a savvy consumer, hope that you come to us and let us try to, um, you know, provide a bid or a quote at earning your business. Um, if there's somebody else you work with, we hope that you'll ask us for a second opinion. This is our advertising. This is the way we feel like we get the most value. Um, and it works. 
we do good i mean we still continue to do this radio show because it's a it's an integral part of our business and i believe it's because of that you know every week you're getting a little bit of a sense of who we are and the kind of business that we run um and i like to think that it's being rewarded here in town um versus the quicken model where you just advertise like crazy and try to get a million people in the boat, right? And then there's going to be a hundred thousand of them that actually tough it out, stick through it, get done, they get paid. So on those, they make up all the money to pay for all the advertising. And we're just like the opposite. We're like, nope. If we get a hundred people to call and you know get part of our process, do an application with us, go through our process. We're looking to do a hundred of them. Right. I'm not trying to kiss 10 frogs to find one prince. I'm thinking if I got to kiss a frog, I'm kissing one frog, baby. That's <laughs> it. Um, and that, but that's what we're doing is it's that, and that too, I think is another um, big difference is that in my company, um, like me, for example, I get paid in our if, – if you come do a loan with me, I get paid once only if and when I'm 100% successful. Talk about motivation, man. I, and, and I know because I've been in business for 10 years now, I know that I got two choices. It's not just about being successful with you. Um, it's equally about providing you the kind of transaction that you're going to tell people about, right? Because people talk either way, don't they? If you have a good experience or a bad experience, you tell people either way, right? Absolutely. And I know we, we know they tell us that you'll tell eight people about a negative experience and one or two about a positive. We know that's true. Um, so not only do I need to, to be 100% successful for you, I need to do it in a way that has you tell two people about your positive experience with me. So, yeah, I'm motivated. Yeah, I'm committed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can not only to, to get it done but to do a good job. I need a referral too. And that, like I said, with that accountability around town, that kind of thing, that's a winning recipe as far as I'm concerned. Yet people just still flock to that quicken number by the droves. Yeah, it sounds so easy, but I just wanted to remind people, just take a little little bit of our time here today and remind you that we're we're here and if it's important to you to support local business and local people who, you know, live and work in your community, then doing business with us is a is a great option for you. We're we're competitive on rate, competitive on costs. We're efficient in the process, and we'll go toe-to-toe with all the big guys, too. So give us a shot. I hope that that matters to you. I'll get these calls like during the week that are like, hey, uh, I wanted to get your opinion. Um, I have been listening to your show for years, and <laughs> I'm having a problem with my loan at Quicken. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> wow. Okay. 
So first of all, yeah, if that's you, sure, go ahead and call. We will help. Uh, we will help. We always do. Twenty percent of my income comes from cleaning up after Quicken, and I love <laughs> it. I love it. It's great. Um, but yeah, that that would be my ask. Is um, don't trust me on anything. That's fine. I don't. I don't need you to just believe a sales pitch. But if you're gonna get a loan, um. Talk to a couple people, get a couple of quotes, look at a couple of options. Um, there's no easy button. I want to be like as upfront with that as possible. There's no easy button. You got to, uh, we all got to do the same. The loans are all the same. Their paperwork is required. The process is required. There are timelines that are required, minimum wait periods, uh, minimum disclosure requirements. There's just a lot of things that we just have to do. This is why that final stack of docs that you go in and sign is 180 pages now. <laughs> right. There's a lot that goes into it. And most of us are all going to follow the same rules and guidelines. And um, you're going to want somebody at your side that you can relate to, that you trust and respect, and that is going to help shield you from it a little bit. That. I know that's what Quicken thinks they're conveying with the easy button, but I just laugh. It's like the one where you push the button and then everything in your world starts floating away. Well, the shelves like, well, what happens when that stuff all drops and I have to clean my office too? That's not easy. It's not your, oh, your easy button's going to put everything into like a suborbital floating state and it's going to land back on the shelf where it came from. That's probably a, a better representation of their process than anything is like, hey, once you push this button, things that you've known to trust like gravity, they're going to go away too. And your whole world's probably going to become somewhat chaotic and unpredictable for a little while. Uh, but in the end, we think it's going to be okay. That's, <laughs> I feel like that's the like the feeling I get. All right, we're going to do a commercial break here, take some time out to thank the sponsors, and then we'll be back in just a couple minutes here with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's nothing like the euphoric feeling you get when you find the perfect home. The last thing you want is the embarrassment of discovering you don't qualify. It can actually cost you your deposit. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. 
Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Welcome back. I was going to say, all right, buddies. <laughs> See, uh, fine Saturday. It is. What's your plan for the day? Oh, we are just hanging around Morro Bay. Right on. Yeah, nothing too exciting. We're, you know, kids are finishing up soccer, and then we got a couple little projects. I need to build a, a green bean uh, trellis to for my beans to crawl up. Put some strings. Yeah, and stuff. get this little netting thing that I gotta build a little frame for. Right on. So yeah, that's that's what I have on my agenda. But otherwise, just enjoying the the weather outside. I'm stuck in an office all week long, working hard. So I try to try to be outside. Get a little sun on the shoulders. Yeah, get that vitamin D. Mm-hmm. It's important. So yeah. Appreciate you guys enduring our little promotional rant there, but I know it matters to me where I'm spending my dollars. Some people I know, they just don't care. They like the online thing. They like to avoid the human interaction. Um, My wife's one of those people. I have to remind her constantly. You can often get comparable service, comparable quality, comparable prices from a local company. And at the end of the day, I think you'll probably feel better about it. Oh, I think it's definitely the case. So, anyways, just want to offer that reminder. The real estate industry is kind of enduring a little bit right now, too, with this um, one of the companies that's really making a big splash in advertising right now is this Purple Bricks. Have you seen I've seen that one, yeah. That's just another, uh, what, Zillow or Redfin, one of those online listing type deals. It's actually like they're agents that are basically it's a it's like a lead generation program. They're agents that'll just agree to do half price commission. Mm. So if you list with Purple Bricks, then you'll become part of the Purple Bricks network and the and the realtor that you get has agreed to work for half commission. 
So it's this attempt at um, <laughs> driving down the commission structure is what it sounds like. Sure. Because then local companies are just going to end up having to compete with that if it gains traction, right? Yeah, but it's not very different than many of these other models where, I mean... But it's funneling leads into, say, a local Remax or a local Patterson Realty or a local whoever, you know, realty company. Is that what it's doing? I think you can actually be an agent for Purple Bricks. Ah. So let's see on the Google machine here is a Purple Bricks agent near me. Meet our agents. Anyone you recognize? Um, dang. <laughs> so yeah, you can go work for Purple Bricks. Hmm. So yeah, that's interesting thing is in, you know, what, what real estate agent? And I just, I'm, I, what real estate agent here in town is going to say, I'll go work for Purple Bricks. Let's see. A company that's going to pay half the commission but going to funnel you leads. Perhaps an agent that's maybe needing leads funneled their way? Yeah. So a crappy realtor? That's one way to describe it. A realtor that is ineffective at drumming up their own book of referral business. Because real estate is really just referral. Absolutely. Are you good? Do you do a good job? And at the end of your transaction, is the person you served like feel obligated to refer you because you did such a good job? And so much of what makes a real estate agent good is having a big network of people so that when they get a new listing, they can let their network know and their network but not only that, but Dan, brings the buyer. But this is one of my favorite things about real estate in general is like um, – Say you want to sell your home and you bring a realtor and you're interviewing three listing agents. And so you bring in three listing agents. And as a seller, what are your concerns? I mean- The price, obviously. What can you sell it for? You want a good price, right? Yeah. Okay. What else? Um, I don't know. Maybe if marketing time is an issue for you. How you're going to market it. I would care about that. Right. Are you going to hold a bunch of open houses where I have to- Interrupt my life? Yeah. Are you taking professional pictures? Yeah. Um, And then what? also, yeah, what do you charge me? Right. Yeah, commission for sure. Because the seller is the one paying all the real estate commissions. Yeah. So, and in slow, I mean, we have lots of realtors that listen to the show, but um, I feel relatively confident talking about this subject. So call me if you want to interject, but- (laughs) Um, as a listing agent is um, generally you're going to be setting expectation with the seller that it's between five and six percent commission. Um, usually, I would say in a standard transaction, now it's three percent to the selling agent, three percent to the buyer's agent. So that's that cooperative piece of commission. If you're a repeat customer or a really an easy to sell house or an agent that just is wanting to make sure they're a little bit, little bit better than other people in town. They might charge you two and a half percent to sell, and then two and a half percent for the cooperative commission, so a total of five. I'd say that's common-ish today. I always see something between those two. 
Well, so you come in, right? I'm interviewing three listing agents. And so you come in and they're, and you're like, I'll do it for half. Or better yet, how about I'm like, would you work for less, Dan? And you're like, yeah, I'll do it for, I'll do it for half. Wow. <laughs> you're a really good negotiator and I don't want you negotiating on my behalf look how fast you just caved what are you trying to do do you not value yourself your opinion your profession your like is your income not matter Mm, i don't need you representing me i want somebody that's like gonna look back at me and go you want me to work for less no listen i'm gonna stand pat because I'm a good negotiator. I know what my worth is. And my job is to get you top dollar for your home and not let you get carried away with some emotional decision where you trip over the dollar to pick up the dime. That's why I get paid. Ooh, dang. That's better, right? That's better than paying half. (laughs) I go, yeah, boy, you're my guy. Get out there. Let's sell this house. Um, I don't want to work with that guy. I don't want to be a part of that transaction of the guy that's like, yeah, dude, I'm just here for half. Whoa. Thank God. That was like, we figured that out on day one stuff. But so the purple bricks thing though, I mean, you're watching, have you seen it on TV yet? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. I've just seen some internet advertising. Well, there's not a purple bricks agent in slow yet. I just punched in nine, three, four, oh one. And it says, um, we'll let you know when we're in your area. But like in Las Vegas or San Diego, Los Angeles, it is coming up because the commercials they're running on TV, if you watch like local TV down in San Diego, is um, why don't pay double to sell your house? Pay half. And there's not, most people don't sit down and think about that real estate agent that goes there. That real estate agent that can't do their own deal. That real right. estate agent that lacks that confidence and experience. So it's not a real big threat. But guarantee you, guarantee you we'll have Purple Bricks presence up in town here sometime soon. We got Uber like a year after the cities did too, right? <laughs> yeah. I had the Uber app that I could use when I got to LA or San Diego or Las Vegas. But you get back home and you'd open your Uber app and it would be like, there's no rides for you. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, there was one. it's here. Yeah, it's here. We got an Uber, but he's in Grover Beach. Bummer. So, yeah, we'll get Purple Bricks. But, you know, it's the same thing like Zillow's acquired a mortgage bank recently. I think that's really interesting. Zillow bought this mortgage company. That's a pretty big company. Um, and you're like, hmm, how many lenders buy leads from Zillow? A lot, I think. And now Zillow believes they can make more money keeping the leads and trying to fund them on their own than selling the leads. But they made a statement now. They said, "No, we're going to sell leads and we're going to and we're going to fund leads." So now you're going to pay to advertise with Zillow and compete directly with them. That's interesting. I don't know. Pretty wild. These are just corporate ideas, too, that I think are like, um, you know, if you're a purple bricks, like you're coming up with this idea. It's like, look, I understand you could make that argument that a realtor that goes to work for purple bricks sucks. But how about this? What if it doubles your volume? Doesn't even matter that you're working for half now. 
You know, it's like that idea, do you want to serve one customer a million times or a million customers once? Same income. So some of these people, like imagine too, if you're like young and you're like fresh out of college and you're like, I'm going to have a real estate profession. So you go to Purple Bricks. Yeah, I only get half, but I'm hardworking and I'll, I need leads. There'll be people. They'll be everywhere. I don't think it'll replace the the current model of real estate, but it's interesting. I just, yeah, I don't like the direction that this thing seems to be going. And it's not just limited to the mortgage industry or the real estate industry. This, you know, the the giants getting bigger in any industry and replacing the localized service oriented you know what sucks though shop. you know what sucks the most about it i think is like um we used to have like 15 bookshops in slow right it's a bookstore on every corner and then all of a sudden the big boys or a record store or a movie store a movie rental right um some big boy comes in i mean it's happened in electronics it's almost happened in every freaking retail industry they come in, they open up a shop, this behemoth shop, and then after some time, they close, but it just took long enough to drive out all the mom paws, and then it's gone. Remember when we had Circuit City in town? <laughs> yeah. Circuit City. Remember that? Yeah. So that's the bummer, though. Borders. Borders comes in. We got two copies of every book in the whole world in all the languages, and they're all over the place, and you can come get a cup of coffee here, too. And then after a couple of years, they're like, oh, there's just not enough money here to have all this space with books. It turns out people sit down and read books here, enjoy that cup of coffee. They're not buying books, so the online place is the only way we can sell books anymore. Okay, well, bummer now, but when you came in, you killed all of our bookstores. So this is what what happens, is you'll have these companies come in, squeeze out the people that are actually passionate about it, that do what they do and do it well. They're just not Circuit City or Borders or Best Buy. Well, think about it. They're squeezing squeezing the compensation to the actual local person that might service yeah, and but then, you remember, but then they're still making the same uh, there's just more profit going yeah, but to the look, top to some look, out of area corporation you remember like go out on broad street 20 years ago there's an audio video store out there with a dude that's like 40 and he's got a nice shop with great tools and he's like this dude you're happy to deal with this guy about speakers because he is passionate Mm -hmm. he owns a speaker store and you go over there you feel like man i can spend money in here with this guy from his entry level stuff all the way up to his just premium stuff but i know that i can this guy is he's the dude about speakers now you go to best buy and you got this Goofy kid in there with teenage acne that's making 12 bucks an hour. And he's like, Well, this is our entry level model over here. That's what we traded. That's what we got. The price of the speaker really didn't change. We just killed the dude that was good at it. It actually knew what he was talking about. 
had experience with all the different brands and all the different models and could tell you personally, yeah, you know, what the differences were. Yeah. <laughs> and then you find out like that, oh, well, that's because that's because Best Buy doesn't pay taxes. <laughs> they swung a sweet deal that you're just never going to get, dude, from Joe's Audio. Maybe you should have stayed in school. It's a bummer, man. I try to, I honestly try to remember that and try to, when you're, I'll, I'll just, I'll go on my soapbox for a minute. Today, when you go out, think about that. Do you need to go to Panera Bread? Is that where you need to go? Or maybe you should go to Luisa's in town. Go see Scott at Luisa's. He'll make you a sandwich. You'll like it. You can go to McDonald's or stop at Sylvester's. You pick, you know, you get a real estate, you know, home loan, whatever. Stop off at a shop of like somebody that still has the American dream and not just the corporate name tag. I th- I like that. Makes me feel better. I even have a margin of what I'm willing to pay more for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like, for example, I like to go into Best Browse to to see what they have little study work, I leave there, and I'm going to go buy it somewhere else. Um, well, ideally, I want to buy it from a local business. And I'm not, I'm not even saying it needs to be in a Tascadero or in San Luis or something. I'll go buy it in AG or, you know. The more local, the better. But, yeah, yeah it whatever. could be California. It could be Slow County. It could be one of the cities within. But yeah, that stuff matters to me. I think a lot of people though are just like, wait, no, I'll save ten percent. It's like, yeah, but ten percent's a dollar thirty one. And that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. Keep those guys in town. Let's tr- let's try our best. That kid that kid his his kids on my kid's soccer team, man. Throw him a bone. Yeah. We used to share that statistic. Especially around the holidays, but uh, what a buck is worth. Yeah, that dollar spent locally. How then? Then that local individual takes their profit from that dollar you spent, and they go spend it at another store, and then that that shop takes their profit from that dollar and just keeps getting recycled in the same community, spent over and over each time, generating tax revenue, each time generating or salary or. You buy from the big box store who pays customer service in India and your buck is gone from the American economy forever. Yep. Unless they unless they are buying like Levi's or something, which I guess they are, but trades coming under fire right now. So oh man. I wanna um we got the tail end of the show right now, but I wanna I wanna make a couple of uh closing remarks number one is we're really asking you guys and for you to keep an ear out for us with your friends family co-workers um anybody you know in the entire state of california if you are going to finance real estate or you want to own real estate at some point and you're going to get a loan uh you want to get just honest opinions about where you stand well, uh, your reasonable 
expectations, all, you know, all that stuff. We'd, we'd love to be able to, to compete for your business. So if it's um, an opportunity for us to, to provide you a second opinion, we'd love to do that. If you are wanting to partner with us to create a budget and a strategy to be able to buy your first home, uh, we'd love doing that as well. So you can go to our website, centralcoastlending.com, check that out. Uh, plenty of resources there. One phone number rings all of our offices. It's 805-543-LOAN, which is 5626. So call 543-5626. And we'd be happy to sit down with you and kind of strategize, game plan, make sure that you have uh, a realistic expectation for cash at closing, but also monthly expense over time. Um, Make sure that you're getting yourself as best prepared as you can so appreciate you guys being with us today uh we are going to be back next week with another live episode of mortgage matters so hope you guys all have a fantastic week and we'll see you next week